right. All right. Grab your Bibles. Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter number three. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. All right. All right. All right. I've been in my office all day. Did it rain any? All right, now somebody's lying because I'm hearing no and yes. Okay, that's not working. All right, Acts 3. Okay, anybody from West Point? Is anybody from West Point? Did it rain in West Point? It did? Okay, let me, anybody around Crooked Creek? Did it rain around Crooked Creek? It, two drops, okay. Well, y'all ain't paying the preacher. That's what they say. We, we got to start praying, guys. We need some rain. We need some rain. Big cloud, okay. All right. Clouds don't do us no good unless they're falling out of it, amen? All right. Let's look in Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter number three. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? Amen. Me too. Me too. Uh, uh, let's let's just read a few verses, and then we'll we'll let you sit down, and we'll we'll come back. And there's a couple of verses in chapter chapter two I want to kind of set it up with. So let's let's look in verse number one. When you're there, say amen. amen. Now, when Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms, and Peter fastening his eyes upon it. And by the way, that's just charity. He's asking for money. I want some money. Please help us with some money. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter revealed that he was a Baptist and said, Silver and gold have I none. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all the Baptists said, but, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's been a long day, amen. But such as I have, give I thee. I might not have money, but I got something. Amen. Amen. That's not good English, but you get it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew it was he which sat at the, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which had, was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to what? To walk. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. Lord, thank you for 
just, just salvation. Uh, Lord, last night as we were studying with the men, uh, we, we, we learned out of John three sixteen that you gave your most prized possession for those that you loved, and that's us. And I am so thankful and I'm appreciative of the gift of salvation. And Lord, I pray, I'm thankful for the scriptures that we have that we can study and learn and grow from. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll speak to our hearts. I pray that you'll help us to open our minds and learn something tonight maybe we never knew. Lord, I pray that more than anything, you'll encourage us and edify us and strengthen us and Build us up, Lord. Maybe those that need challenging, challenge them. Maybe those that need convicting, get on them. Lord, whatever we need, whatever we walked into this building in in spiritual need of, I pray that you'll meet it. I pray, God, that you won't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, don't let me me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to teach tonight a, a little while on, on three specific points. We're going to talk about a miracle, a message, and a ministry. Say that with me. A miracle, a message, and a, and a ministry. A lot of times, a lot of times, we think we know something, and we really don't. We think we know why God does something when we really don't. And I want to I try to take this chapter and really help us understand why God does some of the things that he does. And, and as we do that, let's kind of go back. If you'll look in Acts chapter 2 in verse number, uh, verse number 43. Verse number 43. All right, look at that verse. What does it say? It says, and fear came upon every soul... And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. In other words, words, miracles. All right, let me read it again. Many wonders and signs were done by who? The apostles, okay? Now, miracles, uh, uh, supernatural things, unbelievable things, really. And now look look in verse number 47. Verse number 47. Praising God... And having favor with all the people. Now here's it is. Here it is. And the Lord added to the church. Come on. And the Lord added to the church. Such as should be saved. Or in other words, those who were being saved. Now what we have in chapter number three. Is a illustration of these two points. Okay. In other words. Uh, God says in chapter number two, he's saying that the apostles were doing miracles like crazy and uh, wonders and signs and the people were amazed. And then in verse 47, he says, and the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. And so what's happening in chapter number three is just giving you, okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. How many of y'all, are y'all with me? In other words, Luke is recording history. He's given you the history of the early church. He's given you the history of the Acts of the Apostles. All right? That's what Acts is, the Acts of the Apostles. And he tells you what is going on. He's telling you what's happening after Pentecost, that there are miracles being done, and the Lord is adding to the church daily those who were being saved. And then he says, well, let me show you what I'm talking about. And now we begin chapter number three. 
If that makes sense, everybody say amen. amen. So basically chapter three is just an illustration of what he has told us in chapter number two, that there were miracles being done and people were being saved. Say that with me. There were. And say it again. Okay. All right. Now, with that being said, let's jump right into chapter number three. Let's look at what's happening. Let's, let's talk about this. All right. Peter and John, Peter and John are the apostles, right? And they're going into the temple in the hour of prayer. Now, why are they doing that? It is a habit of theirs. It's what they did. Uh, if you will look in, in Luke, you'll find out that after Jesus ascended up into heaven, that they were continually in the temple, continually in the temple worshiping, continually in the temple praising, continually in the temple. They had not really, uh, I don't want to use the word cut the cord, but that's kind of, that's kind of the term. I mean, it was their habit of going there and they really hadn't figured out that that wasn't necessary anymore. All right. Now that was part of it, but the other side of it, what there, there was so many of them, that was the only place big enough to hold them all because there was thousands that had believed, right? 3000 souls there. So this was a big area that they could go in. So this was in their habit. They were just living their life and that's going to be significant in just a minute. Okay. So just keep that in mind. They were, they were not going soul winning. Okay. They were not, they were not going to to on purpose do this. They were not seeking somebody to heal is what I'm trying to say. Are y'all with me? They were just minding their own business, doing their thing, do what they always do. They were going into the temple at the time of prayer to pray. And here this guy is. Here's a man that's been lame uh, from the time he was born. He's always been this way. And they would carry him to this specific gate and leave him here so he could ask for, for help, ask for money. As he was basically a beggar who was at a, a, a really, I mean, it's a smart place to be. I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, uh, but this past Easter, uh, there, was a, there was somebody, a panhandler, that was out right outside the parking lot of the church. And I thought, that's a smart dude right there. Uh, did, anybody else, did anybody else see him when you was coming out the parking lot? Now, where else would be a perfect place to be than on Easter Sunday where people are trying to get right with God, especially the ones that only show up on Easter? Maybe I can get in some good credit with the Lord if I help this put. Are y'all with me? So this guy knew what he was doing. I mean, there, there's no question about it. Uh, he knew what he was doing because here we are. I mean, you're leaving church or going into church and you pass a guy. You, you got to give something, Right. And so here they are, Peter and John, they see this guy and, 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 and he turns to him and with expectant eyes, you know, man, I'm going to get something now. And he says, okay. And, and he didn't get, he got something, but it wasn't what he thought. Right. Are y'all with me? And, and he healed him. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's, let's just, let's leave it to that. He healed him. Okay. Silver and gold of my number, such as I have, give I thee, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. And as rise up and walk, strengthen man, he's leaping, praising God. Woohoo! Now, here's what I want to do. Let's talk about the miracle first. Let's talk about the miracle first. Uh, a, if you're writing this down, if you're writing this down, I want you to write, what's the objective? The objective. In other words, what's the point? Why'd God heal this guy? What's the objective of the miracle? All right, if we go back and look at the other times God did miracles, we will find out why he did it here. Let me, let me set it up by saying this. God didn't do it 
because he felt sorry for the guy. Okay? God didn't do it because he felt sorry for this man that was crippled. Okay? God didn't do it. God didn't do it because uh, he didn't want him to be crippled. Now, depending on your religious background and depending on who you watch on TV, uh, you, will, you will look at a lot of charismatics will tell you God doesn't want anybody to be sick. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You say, how do you know? Because there's a lot of sick people. And if God didn't want them to be sick, there would be no sick people. Because God can do anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And he doesn't have to ask anybody's permission or need anybody's permission. Are y'all with me? So if God doesn't want somebody to be sick, they're not going to be sick. Are y'all with me? So it wasn't because he didn't want him to be crippled. There's a purpose. And I'll show you what I mean. Look what it says. Miracles were to validate the messenger and the message. Say that with me. The objective of the miracle was to validate the messenger and... Come on, say it with me. To... In other words, to prove the authenticity of the one giving the message. And this is so important that you get this. Everybody look at me for a minute. Everybody look at me for a minute. In that day, even in our day, there were tons and tons of messengers. But 99% of them were false. Okay? Tons and tons of false teachers and false preachers and false prophets and I mean, over and over and over again, you'll find God warning people, be careful, beware, wolves in sheep's clothing, be careful of false prophets. I mean, they're everywhere. So how are we going to know which one is telling the truth? It's got to be authenticated. It's got to be validated. All right, let me show you. Look at here. Miracles validated Jesus's ministry. Okay, look, John 10, 25. Jesus answered them. He said, I told you and you believe not. In other words, I told you the message, but you didn't believe it. Now watch what he says. The, come on, the, what was the works? Healing the blind, healing the lame, healing the sick, walking on water, feeding the 5,000, calming the storm. Are y'all with me? Raising the dead. What, What are they? They're works, but they're miracles. All right. He said, If you're not going to believe my words, at least believe the, what? The miracles. The works that I do, watch this now. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. In other words, what he's saying, they validate that I'm telling you the truth. They validate me. John 10, 37. If I do not the works of my father, then believe me not. But if I do... Though ye believe me not, believe the the works. He said, if you can't believe what I'm saying, at least believe what I'm doing. Believe the miracles. All right. Is everybody with me? John 14, 11. John 14, 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, or else. He said, don't just believe me because I say it. Believe me for the very... Y'all, y'all, y'all seeing this now? You seeing this pattern? Now watch this. This proves it. This proves it. John 3. How many of y'all remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus? 
in the early parts of his ministry. Watch what he says. He comes to Jesus and he's got to talk to Jesus, man. He needs to get some answers from Jesus because there's something about Jesus. Jesus is different than anybody ever said. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Say it with me. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. How do we know this? For no man can do these that thou doest except Y'all get it? So what was the point of the miracles? What was the point of the miracles? It wasn't because Jesus don't Jesus felt sorry for sick people. He said, how do you know? Because he went to one specific porch and walked around sick people and crippled people to get to one specific one. I know that's hard to swallow because we've been, we've been fed, you know, memes and, and, and quotes and it, that, that makes this, that, that God is this person that, that, that wants to heal every single person and, 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 and he, he doesn't want anybody to, to be sick. And I've, I've heard these things, but that's not true. He walked at a porch of a man who was, who was trying to get in the pool and never could. He walked around sick people to go to this specific one to heal him. Amen. Why? Because there was a purpose behind it. It was to validate that Jesus was who he said he was. He said, if you can't believe what I say, at least believe what I And what he was doing was what? In other words, the miracles prove that I am who I say I am. Nicodemus said, nobody can do what you do unless he be from. Does this make sense? Same point. All right, now look here. Look here. What does this have to do? What does this have to do with the early church? All right. The miracles validated Jesus' ministry. The miracles validated the apostles' message. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Look in your notes. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and and. What were they? They were signs of the apostles. Say it with me. Signs of the apostles. Okay. Now look. Hebrews 2, 3. Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness. In other words, God supporting what they were saying. God validated what they were saying. God, he proved their message. How? Both with and and with divers and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So what was God doing with the miracles? Validating, authenticating the message of the apostles. Does this make sense? Now watch, now watch. Ephesians 2.11. Why was this important? Why was this important? And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What's the point? This was the foundation of the church. The, the, The early church was a baby infant movement, if you will. 
And they needed validation. They needed authentication. They needed proof that they were who they said they were. They were tons of false prophets. They were tons of movements. You remember? You remember? Well, you don't remember because we hadn't got there yet. But in in a little bit in Acts, we're going to get to where they tried to stop them. And, and, and you're going to find a religious leader says, hey, just leave them alone. There's been false prophets come and they'll, they'll go just like, you see? Because they knew people come and go all the time. But God authenticated the ministry, the message of the apostles with the miracle. What's the point? Why am I emphasizing this so drastically? Because it's not around anymore. The miracles of healing, the miracles of languages was during the apostles' time, okay? And it was used to validate the apostles. Are y'all with me? In other words, I don't believe in healing services. I don't believe in, in, in Benny Hinn or any of the rest of them that run around, throw up a tent and say, come so I can heal you. They are charlatans, they are thieves, and they need to get saved. Listen, as you go through the book of Acts, as you go through the book of Acts, I'm not trying to be harsh, but listen, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. As you go through the book of Acts, you'll find out that it, it eventually drifts away. Do you realize there's not one recorded miracle in any of the epistles to the churches? Not one. It eventually gets to the point, it eventually gets to the point that Paul says, watch this, let me show you. I, I put it there so, so I know some of y'all is going to doubt me. Look, the miracles faded out. Look what he says in 2 Timothy 4.20. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind that during the time of the apostles, and by the way, there were no miracles performed outside of the presence of the apostles. Okay? It was either the apostles or those closely related to the apostles like Stephen, but it was still in the time of the apostles in the presence of the apostles. Now watch this. Now watch this. Even Paul is an apostle. And there was only 12 plus 1 plus 1. Okay? There's no modern day apostles. When you see it on TV, apostle so and so, that's a lie. They're not an apostle. They did not with their own eyeballs see the Lord Jesus. And they do not meet the requirements of apostleship found in the New Testament. There's no such thing as a modern day apostle. There were 12. One of them killed himself. His name was Judas. He was of the devil. And then they brought Matthias, we find in Acts chapter number 1, and Paul born out of due time. He's the last one. Okay? Now, that's all the apostles. During the time of the apostles, God granted them special abilities as far as miracles to heal people. Why? To validate their message. It went away. It went away. Now watch. Look at this. Look what it says. 2 Timothy 4.20. Erastus, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum. Come on. Sick. I left him at Miletus sick. Now, if healing was still in or whatever you want to call it, available at that time, why didn't he just heal him before he left? And why is it, why is it that Paul told Timothy, why is it that Paul told Timothy, he said, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. 
He didn't say heal thyself or get somebody to heal thee and touch thee. He said take some medicine for it. Are y'all with me? You see, healing was never for the purpose of the comfort of the people. And they were rare. They were rare. They were rare in the Old Testament. And they were rare in, in, in later on in the early church. You say, well, well, if it was for the purpose of validation, if it was for the purpose of validation, how are we supposed to validate messages now? You see, they didn't have the completed scripture like we do. We don't need miracles. We don't need signs and we don't need wonders. We've got God's complete holy word that's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we validate someone's message by comparing it to God's word. If it lines up with God's word, it's of God. If it don't, they're false. Are y'all with me? It was for validation. That was the objective. It, and, and it's so important that we get this because, because there are so many people who are believing false prophets and false teachers and, and, and the false teachers are saying, well, you didn't have enough faith to be healed. Listen, I'm not even going to get into that because I'm going to get mad and get in the flesh and I don't need to do that. Say amen. Listen, it was validation. What's the outcome? Look at B. The miracle, its objective was to validate the messenger in the message. B, its outcome, what happened? It set up a crowd to hear Peter's message. In other words, if you know anything about sermon prep and the real good ones, I'm not a real good one, so I don't have it all the time, but you're supposed to have an introduction that just busts people right in the mouth, that grabs their attention, you know, Maybe a shocking story or a shocking illustration or something that, you know, just, and, and, and the real good guys, they always have that kind of stuff. But guess what? How would you like the kind of sermon illustration introduction like that? A guy had been crippled all his life. Now he's walking around leaping and praising God, jumping up and down like a pogo stick. Say amen. Now that's what I call an introduction. Y'all with me? What happened? It set up, it set up a crowd Watch this now. Watch this now. See, see, if you don't get this, if you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole point. It set up a crowd. Let me, let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it. I'm getting ahead of myself because I know where I'm going. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Look what it says. Look what it says. The Bible, the Bible. Look in verse, verse number, let's see. Verse number nine. Verse number nine. When you get there, say amen. amen. And all the people saw him. Saw him. He was walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Now watch this, watch this. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people, say that with me. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon, greatly wondering. What happened? It gathered a crowd. Now, why do we need a crowd so we can preach a? Say amen. Watch. Let's go back to chapter two. Let's go back to chapter two. How many of y'all know there was a miracle? A miracle that took place in chapter number two. There was a wind. There was fire. 
There was all of a sudden, they had the ability to speak language that they didn't know before, that they had never previously learned. And you got, you got these 120 Galileans who didn't have no fancy education and didn't have no formal education and didn't go to the best language schools and linguistic places, but that yet they had the ability to speak in the languages of all these different people. Man, that blew their mind. Guess what else it did? It attracted a, whoops, amen. You see, there was a purpose behind the miracle. What did it do? We like to call this setting the ball on the tee. Are y'all with me? In other words, you can't mess it up. God says, all right, there you are. Right? Read it. I don't have time to go back, but go home and read chapter number two. What happened? There was a miracle. It attracted a crowd. And Peter got to preach a, in chapter two, watch what happens in chapter three. There was a miracle. It attracted a crowd. And guess what Peter's fixing to do? What's the point? God doesn't perform miracles so a charlatan can get rich under a tent. God performs miracles so somebody can hear about Jesus. Now, let me clarify something, because some of y'all are really scratching your heads at this point. So we have a preacher that don't believe in miracles. That ain't what I said. That ain't what I said. I believe in miracles. I believe God does them all the time. But he doesn't, he doesn't do it like that. He, he, he doesn't. He doesn't do it in the way where sick people are brought so Peter's shadow can pass by them and they're healed. That don't happen. That only happened during the time of the apostles. Can God answer prayer today? Absolutely. Can God perform a miracle today? Absolutely. But not like you're seeing on TV. Now, there's no doubt about it. I believe in miracles. I believe God answers prayer. I believe God can raise the sick. I, I believe all of those things. But I don't believe in false teachers. I just don't. Now, here's the thing. Let's move to the second point, or we'll never finish. Peter, Peter sees another opportunity. It's hard for a preacher not to preach when a crowd is gathered. Especially when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is leading you. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you what to say. Now, here's what's taking place. Now, let's, 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 let's back up a minute and retrace our steps. All right. Peter looks down at this guy. And by the way, we're going to come back to that. Because what, really what I want to do with the first two points is kind of give you the big picture. Say it with me. Give you the. And then, and then the third point, we're going to get real practical. Okay. And how does this apply to us today? What can we take from this in point number three? But what we see is he, he has healed this guy. This guy is perfectly healed. I mean, he doesn't even have to learn to walk. He just goes right into leaping. Amen. And I guess if I was, I was crippled my whole life from my mother's womb, and this first time I'd be leaping too. Amen. He's praising God. I mean, people are blown away. They cannot believe. They know who this guy is. They know what has happened. Something is going on here. Something significant. There is awe and wonder. And, and this is their mistake, though. They begin to focus on the minister. And I'm afraid that's what happens today. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Look, 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 look. Look, number two. Let's look at the message. First thing that it did. First thing that it did, it clarified. It clarified. Two verses I want to read. I put them right there in your notes. Acts 3.12. And when Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw them looking at them like, whoa. These guys are awesome. Man, they just healed this guy. In other words, the focus was on Peter and John. And when Peter noticed that, look what he says. He answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us? What you looking at us for? What you looking at? Now, now the point he's making is you think we did this. Why are you looking on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. So they're clarifying. We didn't do this. We don't have any ability. We don't have any power in our own self to make this happen. Look at, look at verse number 16. He clarifies. He says, in his name, talking about Jesus, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What is he doing? He's clarifying the fact it's Jesus, it's only Jesus, it's all about Jesus. If we didn't have Jesus, we'd be in a mess. This man is walking, he is leaping, he's praising God because of Jesus. And let me say this. If the focus of any ministry ever becomes on the minister and not on Jesus, we've made a drastic mistake. There are no celebrities in the church, the preacher, the singer, or anybody. The only celebrity is Jesus. We have hope because of Jesus. We have grace because of Jesus. We have mercy because of Jesus. There are miracles being done because of Jesus. Are y'all with me? And so the first thing that happens in this message is he clarifies it's about Jesus. A sermon is not a sermon unless it's focused on Jesus. A sermon is not a sermon unless it magnifies Jesus. A sermon is not a sermon unless it clearly and specifically directs people straight to Jesus. Are y'all with me? It clarifies. Number two, or B. Write it down anywhere on that paper you want to write it. Amen? What else does the sermon do? It not only clarified, it convicted. Watch what he does again. Now remember, when y'all write that down, look at me, because I know y'all don't think and write at the same time. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Keeping, well, I don't anyway, all right? Keep in mind who he's talking to. Okay? So who's he talking to? He's talking to the crowd who said, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. Now you get it? That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jewish people, the Jewish crowd. They were so wishy-washy that at one point they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the next moment they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. Release unto us Barabbas. 
All right, you remember in the, you remember in the, remember in chapter number two on the, the miracle of Pentecost and he preaches a sermon and he scolds them. I mean, gets brutal with them. You killed the Messiah. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 13. He, he, he starts his message. You there say amen? amen? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. In other words, the one you believe in. The one they're familiar with. He starts where they are. And that's a great point. Any of you preachers in here, don't put it on a shelf they can't reach. Start where they are. He starts where they believe and what they understand. He said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God of our fathers, hath glorified his son. Watch this. Whom ye delivered up. Ye denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. His man has done nothing. I want to let him go. And you wouldn't let him. Talking about offensive. Boy, in this snowflake society of churches we live in today, they'd be all bent out of shape. I mean, they don't even want preachers to get above a monotone anymore because that's aggressive. You killed him. You wouldn't even let him go. He was supposed to be let go. Pilate said they couldn't find no fault in him. Watch this. Not only that, you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You, you, you would rather kill an innocent man and let a murderer go free. Hmm. Watch this. It gets worse. And kill the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are all witnesses. What's the first thing that happened in his message? He laid them in the shade. He cut them wide open. The first thing he dealt with was not to hide. It wasn't to have their best life now. It wasn't so they could be financially blessed. It wasn't wasn't this modern day message that we hear, a feel good message to just tell you what you want to hear and everything's going to be all right and It was, you killed him. It revealed to them their sin. Let me tell you something, guys. If if a sermon doesn't do that, it's not helping. What was the first, now listen, listen, let's, let's be honest. Jesus at the, at the well. So we, we, we need to be more like Jesus. We don't need to be aggressive. We don't need to be abrasive. We don't need to be offensive. We need to be more like Jesus. Okay. Keep in mind he turned over tables and whipped them out the temple. But that's not even what I'm talking about. Jesus is at the well with a woman. And he introduces her and, and says, listen, if you knew who you was talking to, 
You'd ask me for water. And so she gets religious on him, begins to talk about, and he said, well, I tell you what, why don't you go get your husband? She said, well, that's a problem. I don't have one. He said, that's right. You had five and you're shacking up with the one you're with now. Boy, that wouldn't be PC today, would it? But guess what? If she never dealt with her sin, she would never experience salvation. Because until you come to the honesty of who you are, And that was abrasive. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I'm very non-confrontational. I know y'all don't believe that, but I don't like that. I wouldn't want to have to tell her that. I remember when they interviewed me, five or six guys interviewed me for this job here at Temple, and they asked me, do you preach on sin? I said, not unless I have to. God is my witness. That was my exact words. I don't like doing that. I don't like having to deal with that. But Jesus knew if you didn't get to the heart of the problem, you would never change the heart. Amen. So what did Peter do? He just went straight for the heart. And he dealt with their sin. You see, without conviction, there's no conversion. So how do you know that? Because conviction is what brings repentance. Conviction, how many of y'all remember, you know, you can remember salvation good enough to remember how uncomfortable you was before you got saved. It was awful. But guess what? It motivated you to do something about it. Do you mean tell you what will happen in these modern churches where all they do is tell them a feel-good story? They make them comfortable in their sin. And if you're comfortable in your sin, you won't do anything about it. So basically what you're doing is you're just helping them to hell. Peter didn't do that, though. Peter said, you killed him. Pilate was going to try You. He brought conviction. Listen, no matter, here's what Brother Buster Seaton told me before he went to heaven. We were talking about a certain preacher and styles of preaching. Because I grew up in, in, in some of the ones I was familiar with, they was mean. And I mean literally, they was mean. And some of them really good hearts and everything. I mean, they... I, I found out this a lot too as I grew older that the person's personality had a lot to do with their style. If they had a gruff, abrasive personality, it came out in their preaching. If they had a humorous, fun-loving type personality, it came out in their preaching. And then some were just mean to be mean. Because they thought you were, the more meaner you was, the more spiritual you was, which is ridiculous. But this is what he said. I was asking him about a certain one. I said, why? He said, look, Malcolm. He said, everybody, say it with me. Everybody, everybody needs hard preaching. He said, but nobody needs harsh preaching. 
Say, what's the difference? Hard preaching is just telling the truth. Whether we like it or not, whether, whether we're, you know, y'all, y'all with me? His message, it clarified, then it convicted. Now watch this. It convicted, it convicted so we could, B happened so we could see C. Okay? So C could take place. Now what is C? It challenged or it called. It called. Look what it says. And his name, faith in his name has made this man strong. In other words, one you killed. Now watch what it says in verse 17. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did this, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Verse 19, help me. Come on. Come on. Repent. Say it with me. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Let me tell you something. You'll never repent if you're comfortable. You'll never repent if you don't think you you need to. That's why the word of God will cut you open and show you what's truly in your heart. For all have and come short of the glory of God. There is none... No, not one. For the wages of sin is. Y'all with me? You see, he had to tell the truth. And he had to, he had to be honest about their sins and what they had done. And he had to convict them of their sins so he could be able to show them you can repent. You know what the greatest part about our sins are? We don't have to stay in them. We can be forgiven. They can be blotted out. What Dr. Craig say, they can be taken away. Not covered, but taken away. And all God's people see it. Oh boy. Let's hurry. All right. Can everybody see that? All right. Now here's, here, let's, 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 I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to do this. All right, he preached, I'm going to fast forward. He preached the message, the, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me, everybody, before you go to flipping. He preached the message, the, the, the leaders of the temple, they didn't like it, so they came and tried to arrest him. Well, they did, didn't try, they did arrest him, but watch what happened. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. How be it, many of them which heard the word, y'all with me? Which heard, not saw the miracle, but heard the word. All the miracle did was set the ball up on the tee. It was the, woo, say amen. It was the word that knocked it out of the park. Y'all with me? Howbeit many of them which heard the word, what'd they do? Believe. And the number of the men was about... That's a pretty good crowd that he attracted up with that miracle. Amen? Now, does everybody get and understand really what a miracle's for now? God's not just randomly 
doing miracles because I like this one, but I don't like that one. So I'm going to heal this one. I'm not going to heal that one. Because if we look at God that way, he's kind of mean. And that's kind of unloving. If he had mercy on this one and not that one. I'm going to heal this one, but not that one. How many of y'all would agree there's people that prayed to get healed and did not get healed? And I'm going to tell you this. There's some really godly people that's way closer to God than I was that died of cancer. Because that's not the point. God doesn't heal people because he don't want to see them sick. God does not heal people because he feels sorry for them and doesn't want them in pain. God has a purpose behind every single thing he does. And his miracles were for the purpose of validating the message. Does everybody understand that? Now let's look at the practical side of this message. Okay? Look at number three. Now let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's look at the ministry. This is real practical, and we all need to get this. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're in the ministry. Say it again. All right, look at your neighbor and say, hello, minister. All right, now say this. Hello, minister. You're in the ministry. All right, some of y'all forgot halfway through, didn't you? Amen. All right, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Now, Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour. Remember this. They wasn't out soul winning. They wasn't really trying to accomplish a spiritual feat. They wasn't going out for the purpose of finding somebody to heal. They were just going to pray. This guy just happened to be here. Okay? And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Now here's the thing. First, eight. Now watch this. Watch this. Everybody, now before you write that down, look at this. Look at this. Everybody look at me. How many of y'all, you probably ain't gonna admit this, <clears throat> but sometimes look at people's problems as very, with a lot of inconvenience. Or, okay, I'm in my routine, I'm doing my thing, and now all of a sudden this guy's wanting something from me. He's just a problem. He's just another problem in my day. It ain't like I ain't got enough problems. I got my own needs. Got any spare change? Yeah. Yeah, I got some. I just throw out the window every now and then. Come on, I'm just saying what we think. No, I ain't got no spare change. What do I look like? Come on. Let's put it in modern day. Sometimes when we run across someone else's problem, it's just a big inconvenience. Man, I'm busy. I got my own needs. I got my own family I need to take care of. I got my own set of problems. Man, I ain't got time to mess with somebody else's problems. I got my own problems. Now, I'll be honest with you. That's not lying. Man, I got, I got, I got a list of stuff. 
But see, Peter didn't look at this guy's problem as an inconvenience. He looked at this guy's problem, watch this now, as an opportunity. Watch this. Say this with me. Every problem, come on now, every problem is an opportunity in disguise. Every problem is an opportunity in disguise. You know when people are most likely to come to Jesus? When they got a This guy had a, but most of the time, most of the time, the answer to his problem is not what he thinks. He thinks the answer to his problem is silver and gold. But guess what happens with that? You spend it and you're right back. Now I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. Some of y'all have missed some incredible opportunities to see God do some incredible things because you looked at somebody's problem as a severe inconvenience. You know what ministry is? It's problem solving. It's problem solving. That's all it is. Matter of fact, let me say this. Everything is problem solving. Every form of employment is problem solving. What, is the, what does the sanitation man do? He solves a problem of garbage. Right? What, 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 what does, the, what does the, uh, the man over there, they're, they're, they're pushing dirt, trying to, they're solving the problem. We got a problem to get that level. They're solving that problem. And we are, now watch this now, I'm, I'm going to get a little... We are, our, our value is determined by the problems we're able to solve. Did y'all get that? Our value is determined by the problems we have the ability to solve. The bigger problems you can solve, the more people are going to value you. For instance, there's a man in New York City who makes $20 an hour. He, he is the sanitation worker. But there's a man in New York City that makes $200 an hour. He's a corporate lawyer. They solving two different size problems. Are y'all with me? Why does somebody make a lot more money than the other? It's the problem they're solving. The doctor makes way more money. Y'all can complain if you want to, but his problems are way harder than some of the rest of ours. Guess what? Church, we as God's children are supposed to be problem solvers. Now, obviously, we're not going to go to a cripple and say, rise up and walk. But we can go to somebody that's struggling in their relationship, struggling in their life, struggling with their kids, and offer them a solution. But we will never do it as long as we see their problem as an inconvenience and not as an opportunity. Because the, 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 what you see as an inconvenience may be God setting it up on the tee for you to see God do something great in their life. 
And listen, the greatest thing that happened to this guy, the greatest thing that happened to this guy is not that he can walk. Because there's a lot of people that have walked since the time they were born that went to hell. The greatest thing that happened to this guy is he met Jesus and he's a believer in Jesus and one day he's going to go to heaven. The miracle was great, but not as great a miracle as salvation. And God may lead you to somebody with a problem so you can lead them to Jesus. Are y'all with me? So we see the ministry is just about problem solving. It's about problem solving. Then B, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And he's going to bust you right here. Watch this. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Can you just put it in your mind? He's laying there and he's stretching them arms out. Can y'all see this? Can y'all see this? This here means yes. This here means no. Can y'all see this? All right. Y'all get with me now. We're running out of time. Look, look, look. He says, silver and gold have I. Now, most modern day Christians would stop right there. Because you've already stopped there in your mind. When I told you to solve somebody else's problems, you just in your head, you say, I ain't got no, I can't solve your problem. I don't have what it takes. But guess what? Peter's focus was not on what he didn't have. Kind of where your focus is right now. Well, people's got financial problems. I don't have no money. People's got problems with relationships. Man, if they knew how I was in my relationship, I, 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 I don't have an I, 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 I. And you're making all kinds of excuses because your focus is on what you don't have. I get it. You don't have some stuff. But guess what? It wasn't, ooh, it wasn't what he didn't have that got the job done. He said, such as I. Look at your neighbor tell him, I got something. I might not have money. Go ahead. But I got something. You know what you need to understand in ministry? Look at me, look at me. I'm running out of time. It's fixing to turn red on me. Look here. We see the recognition in ministry. Is it a problem? It's just an opportunity in disguise. The real, what we need to realize in ministry is that I have all I need to minister. I have all I need to minister. I have all I need to be what God wants me to be. What are those two things? The spirit of God and the word of God. The scriptures, if you want to alliterate it. Listen, the the scriptures and the spirit. The scriptures and the spirit. The Bible says, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Are y'all with me? So when you have the spirit, you have power. When you have the Spirit, you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When you have the Spirit, you have the same power that calmed the storm and the waves. You have what you need. Look, ho, 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 look what, it, look, look what it says. Look what it says about the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. How much Scripture? Come on, everybody. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now watch this. That the man of God may be perfect. Word perfect means complete. All right. And thoroughly, not just furnished, but thoroughly. 
I am thoroughly fed up. That means you all the way. Right? Look, the man of God may be thoroughly. Come on. Thoroughly. Under all good. What does that mean? Whatever problem someone has that God has allowed you into the vicinity of to be a blessing, you got what you need. So quit focusing on what you don't have. Quit focusing on your lack. Quit focusing on what you think you don't have and focus on what you do have. What do you have? I have hope. What do you have? I have the truth. What do you have? I have joy. I have peace. I Oh, I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I may not have what somebody else has, but I got something. And whoever God brings me to, I got what they need. And all God's people see it. N- number three. Man, hurry, hurry, hurry. What was A? Say it with me. We see the the recognition in ministry. B, we see the... Then C, look at the results in ministry. This is convicting. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking... And leaping and and all the people saw him walking and what is the results? Look at me. Look at me. What is the results of real ministry? God gets the glory. Huh? And not the minister. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why all these charlatans running around talking about healing people. They're flying around in jets. They're living in multi, multi million dollar mansions and they're walking around like kings. And they're getting all the. But guess what? I hope they enjoy it. There's a hot place waiting. Let me tell you what makes a real ministry when God gets the credit. You ever see a man strutting around saying, look at me and all his illustrations about him and it's all, you better stay clear. Because if we ever cease to give God the glory in this place, it's over. Did you notice, did you notice who was Kind of giving, I don't want to say giving Peter them credit, but really focused on them, it was the unbelievers. But what was the man that was healed doing? He wasn't, he wasn't praising Peter. Amen? Listen, guys, we're all ministers. God's going to put us in people's paths that have problems. This time, when you run across them this time, hey, I must have what you need. Or God wouldn't have brought you in my path. Say it. I got what you need. All I got is Jesus. That's enough. Get him to Jesus. God may have healed you from being a drunkard. 
So you could run across a drunkard and say, let me tell you what God did for me. God may have healed you from being a drug addict. So you can run across one and say, hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you what God done for me. God may have saved you from being a religious church kid. So you can look at another religious kid and say, hey, hey, hey. You ain't got enough. I don't care how much Bible you know. And all God's people say it. Listen. Thank the Lord for the word. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see what preaching done for him. And I probably assure you it ain't what you think. All right. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Now, remember what I say you was. You're a minister and you got what it. All right. Amen. And every problem is just a opportunity in disguise. And all God's people see it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for.